It's never gonna be like the right time to enter a market because the thing about real estate is it's competitive for a reason because it's successful. Welcome. This is the Hot Real Estate Investing Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping others through real estate investing. Our hosts interview guests from all aspects of real estate investing who generously share valuable experiences and advice. Whether you're starting out or an experienced investor, this is the show for you. Hello, and how's it going? My name is Travis Shelton, and welcome to the Hot Real Estate Investing Podcast, where I interview guests who want to help others investing in real estate. Today is going to be part two of my two-part interview with Zach Happenstall, the co-founder and CEO of Rise48 Equity and Communities. Hope you enjoy. You know, you mentioned something like you thought you you missed the boat in 2019, 2018, right? So uh, has that boat sailed? Is it a Red Sea now? Should Would you advise someone to get into multifamily real estate investing right now or maybe wait? Yeah. I mean, what, what's your thoughts there? No, good, good question, Travis. So it's never going to be like the right time to enter a market because the thing about real estate is it's competitive for a reason because it's successful. I, like what, there's a statistic like 90% of the millionaires in America were made through real estate. There's a reason for it. And this is actually relates back to your last question too, Travis, and then I'll move forward. The reason, one of the reasons I originally got into mobile home parks is because I had heard everybody saying, oh, those things are a cash cow. The passive cash flow is insane. When I was looking at them in 2018, the cap rates were already down to like four to five cap rates. The cash flow wasn't that great. I was looking at mobile home parks and multifamily and I was like, wait, the cash flow is almost the same. The cap rates are actually very similar, but with the mobile, with the apartments, I can increase the value more to get a better overall return. That's what I started to learn. And so, like, no joke, in 2018, I was so discouraged thinking that this is overheated. We're at the top of the market. It's already so competitive. I can't find a deal at pencils. And, and that's natural when you're trying to break into any new industry. Well, little did we know, you know, we'll buy some deals, you know, in 2019, 2020, 2021, the market continues to take off, right? And we sell deals. It's even it was even harder to get into the market in 2021, 2022 than it was in 2018, 2019. It's more competitive. And so right now I talk to a lot of people, you know, a few people a month, it seems like that, you know, are trying to get into the industry and they're asking me, you know, just in the past few weeks, hey, what do you think now is a great time to enter multifamily? Okay, because there's almost no competition out there. All the institutional equity on the sidelines, you know, people are scared and most a lot of syndicators cannot raise money. And like the last few years, if you want to buy a hundred plus unit deal in Phoenix or Dallas, you have to go non-refundable with your earnest money day one. Okay. There's high stakes at play. It's scary. Right now, you don't have to do that. Okay. You can get like 30 to 60 day refundable due diligence period because that's the market. You know, you can never get a hold of a broker as a new buyer the last few years, right? They don't care that, that, that you know, firsthand Travis, I was the first, I, I had to keep harassing these guys and they got sick of me and it finally you get a deal and then you get another deal and they start to gain their respect. Well, now these brokers are bored. They have nothing to do because there's no buyers out there. So I've been telling people like, just go out there, just act confident, start touring deals with brokers and just submitting off, just start submitting offers because they're not even getting offers. Even if your offer is 20, 40, 50% off the price, these brokers aren't stupid. They realize that the pricing is way down right now because of interest rates. Now is an excellent time. If you can structure your debt to mitigate against interest rate risk, then you can do a good job. I mean, you can you can find good deals right now. We're actively buying because we're getting 20 to 30% discounts. I told somebody last week, he's trying to get into it. I said, I said, you should just go start making offers, tie up a deal, give yourself a 30-day refundable due diligence period. 
scramble to try to raise the money. If the first few weeks it doesn't seem like it's going well, just bail on the deal and tell this, just blame it, blame it on the debt. Just tell the broker, oh, my debt blew up because it's happening everywhere, right? It's like you have, a, you have an out right now. So I think now is a good time to try to enter if you're new because you don't have a ton of competition. You can get favorable terms. It's now a buyer's market, not a seller's market, right? So it's like, so a lot of people the last few years, Travis, tell me, we're at the top of the market. It's overheated. I'm not going to get in now. I'm waiting for a recession. Well, your, your 20 to 30% discount is here. There's no competition. So now the market is soft, is a lot softer. And now people are saying, oh, the debt is too you know, volatile. I'm not going to get in. It's like, well, when are you going to get in? I mean, there's always a reason, yeah. right? And, and you're so true. Yeah. Like all of a sudden brokers were calling me back, right? And all of a sudden, You've like seen you it said, yeah. yeah, I've seen it firsthand. And, and then now you have, like you said, now they're good deals. Now it's not over asking price. Now it's not hard money day one. Um, and so I, I totally agree with you. I think now is a great time to get in the market. You know, you can never be perfect in time, the bottom of a market or anything like that, but you can right. buy bad deals in any market and you can buy good deals in any market. So yep. totally agree. Um, and I love the fact that you guys have, you guys have continued to expand and kind of, um, you know, look for different opportunities and, and now, you know, um, moving to the Dallas market. So maybe what was that big impetus? Did you feel like um, you've done a lot in Phoenix that the just better deals were available in Dallas that you liked that market? Or was this kind of always the plan to kind of really, you know, do amazing things in Phoenix and then start to expand into other markets? Yeah, great, great question, Travis. We get that asked a lot lately. So we, we still love Phoenix, right? And we're still buying deals in Phoenix. At the time of this recording, you know, what are we like? The May just started and we've already bought two deals in Phoenix this year in 2023. So we still like Phoenix. We keep buying deals, but it was always the plan to expand to other markets, right? The last two years we've had, you know, many investors reaching out and saying, hey, you know, when are you going to go to another market? I like the reporting. We like investing with you. Some of these people have 10 or 15 deals are invested in with us, but they're like, I don't want to be all my money in one market, right? And so we've been telling people for two years, like we will go to another market, but we first want to truly feel confident that we've built out all of our backend systems and processes, our management company, our supply chain, because when we do go to another market, we're going to have the exact same platform. And when we scale, we want to responsibly scale so that we can execute on the results. We don't want to just start going buying deals in different markets and we can't execute on it. And so we originally, you know, Travis, we we're going to go to Vegas. That was the plan. In early 2022, we were saying in 2023, let's go to Vegas because it was kind of similar to Phoenix. But then the interest rates start going up. We see a recession coming. We're like, you know what? We don't want to touch Vegas because I've got some friends there who are operators, not diversified employment, a ton of delinquency. They didn't do well during COVID. You know, Phoenix and Dallas both did well during COVID. And so we said, you know what? What, we want to be Western U.S. and we looked at we said Texas makes the most sense. There's nowhere besides you know besides Texas, Western U.S. We want to be. We looked at all the markets in Texas. We really don't like Houston. We don't like San Antonio. We considered Austin, but very blue local legislation, not landlord friendly, not a lot of supply. Dallas made the most sense. You know, similar to Phoenix with strong job growth, population growth, uh, and so and we and there's a lot of '80s value add deals that haven't been turned over there. You know, so it's this exact same platform. Also, our supplier has a warehouse in Dallas. So we have the exact same supply chain, same material, same logistics. So, yeah, we felt like we could replicate the same model and kind of have like an easy transition. And as far as timing, Travis, like we were going to plan to do it like in 2023 sometime. We didn't have like a hard date. But I remember like in November 2022, it just kind of hit me one day when I was thinking about how competitive Dallas is, how many buyers there are. And how just like what we just talked about, 
I was telling myself, all the institutional equity groups are on the sidelines. The syndicators can't raise money. I told Bikron, I said, we have like a six, 12 month window. We could go pound Dallas, get our, get our foundational portfolio built out and instantly have track record where there's nobody else buying. Now we could, we have this window to enter the market. So that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to get to 2000 units as fast as we can in Dallas because there's not a lot of competition. No, that's, I mean, genius and, and be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. Right. And so it's like, everyone's fearful and want to be on the sideline. Warren Buffett. Yeah. Wants to, you know, be on the sideline, but right now it's like, this is the time to be greedy and get out there. And I love that mentality that you guys have had. Um, you know, so to transition just a little bit, you guys have done just such an amazing job, you know, with rise 48 and building this amazing company, vertically integrated company with over 200 employees. Um, but one of the things I really like to highlight, you know, and this podcast is the hot real estate investing podcast, but it stands for helping others through real estate investing. And so rise 48. And one of the things I love the most about your guys' company is the way you guys give back. And so can you share with our audience, some of the ways that rise 48, uh, gives back to the communities that they, uh, yeah. that they invest in? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, that's a big thing for us. So my wife and I, Grace, you know, we're, we're both Christian and our faith is a big part of, you know, what we like to do. So we, t we told ourselves like, once we get established, we want to be able to give back. And so, you know, we're, we're like a big, um, you know, donor to Phoenix children's hospital, you know, so we've been donating a lot to them and, and to their events and, and their causes. Um, you know, Grace really is passionate about, you know, the, the charity side. So we have like an organization rise up, give back, you know, which is kind of like our, you know, our charitable um, arm of the company. And so, you know, we've supported like a human trafficking cause, um, which is a really big, you know, passion of ours too. And then, and then also like, when you're talking about, you know, just your own company internally and culture and, and staff, things like that, we want our employees to feel happy. We want them to feel like they're taken care of, but we also want to attract, you know, the most, the most elite talent in the industry. And we know that the best people know that they're best and they want to be compensated the best, right? So we try to be very competitive with compensation. We cover 100% of all of our employees' medical, dental, vision, and 50% of all their dependents. And so it allows us to recruit and retain the best people. Um, and then we, you know, we give, you know, we have 20% annual salary bonuses for every employee. You know, we do different performance bonuses based on your position, things like that. So we want people to be incentivized. We want them to know that if you come here, we don't really care about your resume. As long as if you're getting results and you're an elite performer, we're going to pay you like an elite performer, you know, and we want people to know that because they feel like, Hey, there's opportunity here and I can really, you know, climb quickly. And that helps us as a company achieve our goals. And then we like to do quarterly, uh, you know, all staff meetings and team events. Like next week, we're going to do our all staff meeting. Then we're going to take everybody to Ro Octane Raceway. You know, like we've rented out the entire place. Um, and, and that's really fun. People have like the team building. You know, we did a big Christmas party, um, you know, last year. So all these things are important because, you know, it shows employees you care about them. You know, it builds the culture. Um, well, retaining that talent is so important. You know, like most yeah. people, like they get the talent and then they forget about them. And, and it just sounds like you guys are doing an amazing job to really cultivate an amazing culture at your company. But also, you know, giving back to not only the communities you invest in, but your employees, which is which is really amazing. Yeah, um, for sure. So maybe last question I have is, you know, what's your opinion or do you recommend coaches or gurus for people that want to get into multifamily investing? Or um, do you think people can do it without maybe some of the, you know, the $10,000 guru course? Yeah, and no, it's a good question, Travis. So, I mean, it's it's tough to say. I mean, there's no like 
hard answer. I am supportive of education programs. Um, I think that there's, I think that it's good to learn content, you know, like, so like one of the things I first did was I signed up for like, at the time, I don't even know if he has this, but Michael Blanc has like a, had like a very cheap education program. It's like a thousand, two thousand bucks, but it was just a series of videos. Now he has one that's like 30 to 50 K. I didn't ever join that, but like, you know, that gave me foundational knowledge of like, it broke it down. Like you have to talk to brokers, you have to get a debt broker, you have to have an insurance broker, you have to have a property manager company. And that kind of put together the fine, the, the foundational, you know, um, concept for me, which really helped. And then I started going, trying to go to meetups and things like that. And I was like, man, the meetups here in Phoenix are crap. Like I'm not finding anybody that actually does what I do. And so, you know, I joined a mentorship program, which is how I met you, you know, based out of Dallas and I dropped 30 K. And to be honest, I didn't really get much value as far as like the content or the education from that program. And I didn't like the culture of the program. It was kind of weird, but I met my business partners. I met a lot of good people. I met you, I met other investors. And so I'm a big proponent of joining networks, going to conferences um, that, that are solely focused on what you're trying to do because it can collapse a time frame. Like I spent six months trying to find partners and then I joined this, this group, which again, I, I paid 30 K, but I don't regret it at all. And the whole, the whole concept of that group is like, you join it to meet passive investors to raise money. We didn't really get value raising any passive money because it was so Texas centric. Right. But I met my two partners there. You know, I met other people that I would later have to bring in on early deals to be like a key principal and sign on the loan. I met somebody who could help raise money. So my, kind of the so advice it was valuable I did, to you at the end of the it day was, it was valuable yeah i think you need to vet the groups though because there's more and more of these groups popping up and you could easily blow tens of thousands of dollars and kind of feel like you got screwed on so you need to be careful and i think vet that's them. the problem right now there's so many that people are just throwing money away and throwing money out the door so i think you yep. you gave the audience a lot of like hey be mindful when you're spending this money know what you're getting into and then also know what you're trying to find you know like whether you're trying to find private money or you're trying to find partners, you know, there might be a different group that's more valuable to them. That's a good point. Yeah. What is the quality of the people of the group? And is it the type of people that you're looking for? Like you said, like, is it aligned with your goal? Yeah, no, that's great. Hi, my name is Chris Hallam of Simplicity Lending Group and powered by Nexa Mortgage. I'm a trusted and experienced loan officer who will work with you to find the best mortgage options for your needs. From first time home buyers to experienced investors. I have a wide variety of loan options and competitive rates, which makes me the perfect choice for those who are in need of creative financing. Contact me today and take the first step towards financial stability. All right. Well, uh, are you ready for the hot seat, Zach? Ready. Yes. It's feeling all right. Warm. We ask, <laughs> we ask all our guests the same final four hot questions. And so number one, what is one book you'd recommend to someone wanting to know more about real estate investing? Yeah, good question. So, I mean, so there's like several books people have probably heard of. Um, you know, I think I initially read the ABCs of real estate investing by Ken McElroy and then his ABCs of property management, um, which gives you good foundational knowledge. And that kind of helped me to realize what I needed to do. It's not going to go dive deep, but it gives you the initial. I'll throw a book out there, which is not real estate centric, but I just recently started reading it. And I hadn't read it since 2018 when I was kind of going through the low, the low points. And the book is called Mastery by Robert Greene. And it's not real estate centric, but what it talks about is he takes some of the most successful people through history and he studied them like Leonardo da Vinci, Benjamin Franklin, Albert Einstein. And he talks about how 
None of them were wealthy, talented, had anything extra than anybody else, but they just stuck to what they were trying to do for so long and they grinded it out. And it's the whole concept of 10,000 hours. And there's something psychological or magical about when you develop 10,000 hours of pursuing something that you can become what's called a master. And I remember reading that in 2018 because I was getting so discouraged. I was spending all this time and having no actual visible evidence of progress, but it gave me confidence to keep going because it talks about how you can be making progress subconsciously that you don't realize. And later on, you're gonna hit this inflection point where when you look back, it was all worth it. And now it's kind of cool. I just started listening to it again on audio a couple of weeks ago and it made me reflect, right? It was like, wow, a lot of this stuff resonates with me. And I think for anybody who's pursuing this real estate or any company, you're going to go through these, he calls it tedium, which is like these long, boring, tedious moments that suck that you don't want to have to go through, but you have to put in that work and that discipline and you'll see the results there. So anyways, uh, I that love one. that. And I've seen that book on audible. It's been recommended and I have not listened to it. So I'm definitely going to yeah. pick it up and That's listen to one. it. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Um, Zach, what's your favorite like productivity tip, trick or tool, maybe a time saver or app that you utilize in your day to day? You do so much. Like, how do you get so much accomplished? Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, honestly, I'm not big with like apps or tech. So for me, I think um, my whole strategy is I simplify stuff like I have two pages of apps on my phone. Like you can only scroll once. Like if it's anything that I don't use every day, I just I delete it because I don't like to have so many notifications. You know, I don't really, I don't really watch TV. Like Grace and I will watch like a movie on Friday night. Um, I just try to like stay really focused on what I have to do, you know, su super disciplined and not have all these distractions. And then I don't, I don't really go to like dinners, lunches, parties, or I'm like a very boring person, Travis. I don't do that stuff because I just need to stick to what I have to do. And I'm always scared. If I go do something that's like quote unquote fun, I almost feel guilty. Like I'm like falling behind on what I have to do. So I try to keep it very simple, very focused on what I have to do to, you know, keep moving forward. So Zach, what is your biggest real estate mistake or failure? And what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, no, good question. I think we've been fortunate where we haven't had anything get to the point where it's been like a major failure. Like we've never, you know, lost money. All the deals have exceeded returns, never done a capital call. But um, I think what we've been, you know, fortunate to realize is that whenever we see a potential mistake or failure coming up, we try to be very proactive and quickly, you know, invest money to change our strategy or hire that position or pivot, you know, to be proactive and, and try to eliminate that vulnerability. So like, for example, our very first deal was 36 units. We thought we could just plug in a third party property management company. They would do all the construction management, renovate the units. It'd be easy. It's not that simple. Like you have to manage the manager and the property management company was basically managing all these third party vendors and subcontractors and none of them were staying on schedule or on budget. So like I was at the property chewing out vendors, you know, and had to make sure we're getting all that stuff done. So we eventually took construction management in house first. We started hiring our own staff to source, bid out and manage vendors daily on site. Okay. Then we were relying on the vendors to buy their own materials. They kept getting impacted by supply chain issues. So we figured out how can we resolve this? And we brought supply chain in house. And then eventually we got to the point where you know, our portfolio was getting bigger. Property management was becoming an issue. We had too much turnover. Our property manager company was not paying the staff enough to keep the good people. So we brought that in house. And so we're always trying to look at like, okay, where's our vulnerabilities? Where do we have exposure? And how can we get ahead of this now so we don't have this, you know, big failure later? 
And I love that because it's like it proves that you're gonna keep you know, like the, as as you progress, you're gonna hit different fel- or d- different you know challenges, and you got to be able to constantly be coming up with new solutions to you know different problems and and always moving forward. But it's not like you ever get to some point where you just all of a sudden are out of problems or out of you know. Um, it's it's even more trouble. complex now. It seems like yeah, we have to always adapt. Like every month, we're changing the investor reports a little bit because we get different investors that reach out and say, hey, I wish you'd put this in there, so we tweak it. Or, you know, I, like two months ago, an investor sends me a webinar of some other big sponsor saying they're doing capital calls on different assets. It was a Friday night, like at 10 o'clock. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like, crap, we need to do a webinar telling people we're not doing capital calls because I don't want people to think we're getting. So we did this live webinar and we blasted it to like 5,000 people. So it's always like you have to adapt and pivot. You know, there's never really a, a dull moment. I'll say that. Yeah. And Rise 48 has never had a capital call, right? That's um, right. That's no awesome. Capital. Yeah. Um, so finally, Zach, um, I mean, you've shared so much about yourself and Grace and all the great things that you guys do. Um, but if there could be one thing you'd be you could be remembered for, what would that be? Yeah, honestly, I just want people to, you know, remember me as kind of making an impact and, and helping them achieve their goals. Like like even with our staff, like like I've told some of our staff, like, hey, you're not going to want to work for us forever. Like if you want to go do your own thing, like. I'll have your back and support you because I can relate to that, you know, being a W-2 employee. So I would hope that like our employees, our investors, partners that we worked with, you know, just thought that we tried to do right by them and that, you know, we want to be competitive. We want to win, but we want to have abundance mindset, you know, and try to help other people out. And there's no reason, you know, we can't all win, you know, if you're working hard. So I think that's how we want to be remembered is that we were like, you know, hard nosed competitors, but we also tried to, you know, help other people out and, and do right by people and not, you know, screw people over, so to speak, because it can be a cutthroat business, you know, especially the bigger you get. So we we like to try to, you know, maintain that reputation. No, that's awesome. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, the best place for our hot REI community to connect with Zach is on at rise48equity.com. You can schedule an investor relations call uh, if you want to there uh, with Zach or a member of his team. Zach, man, I just want to thank you again so much for joining me today. This was a lot of fun, and, and I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks so much, Travis. Really appreciate it, man. Great great catching up with you, and, and look forward to talking to you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you for tuning in today, and commit to taking action today, this week, to move your investing forward. Take care, and God bless. Thank you for listening to the Hot Real Estate Investing Podcast. Check out our website, hotrei.com, for additional content and resources. And please take a moment to subscribe and leave a review so we can continue to bring even more value to others through real estate investing.